Welcome to No Concessions, your favorite movie podcast where we explore subgenres of movies. This week's subgenre is damn, remember when they made zany movies? <laughs> remember when movies didn't have to be so self fucking serious and like make you want to cry every time you look <laughs> at it or like remind you that life is horrible? Remember that? No, because I wasn't born when this movie came out. <laughs> Same. Uh, this week we're reviewing Dr. Detroit from 1983, starring Dan Aykroyd and some other people that you've never heard of or won't remember. Maybe you'll remember Fran Drescher. This is back when she was a fucking smoke show, too. Ooh, and, ooh. and look her up now. Still kind of a smoke show. Hell yeah. She's thick now. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, thick Fran Drescher. Yeah, baby. Love it. Uh, after the review, we're going to get into our no concessions picks for the week. But prior to both of those things, we are going to step into the world of computer-generated movie synopses again with our resident genius, Charles. And then we're going to step to our black Charles <laughs> for computer-generated movie characters. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's, let's hop right in. Let's, let's dive right into the, can All right. Can you explain the process again of like how you built this AI? Okay. Uh, so I mined IMDB for all their movie synopses, and then I used all of those as a quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes here. Sorry, <laughs> people who can't see me because this isn't a videotaped oh, don't podcast. Worry. The studio audience can see you just fine. Oh, thanks guys. Normally they only come in once every few weeks, but you know what? <laughs> They're here today. Anytime it's two Charles. It's <laughs> people turn out for that. Yep. <laughs> Normally it's just empty bleachers in here. Two people named Charles? Madness. <laughs> I can't believe this. In the same room? <laughs> God, this I have to see. Uh, I used all these IMDB synopses and fed them through some model, which, side note, I kind of want to like make this thing public so people listening to this can like log into this Google instance and generate their own stuff. I'm still like trying to think of a way to make it like really like a turnkey solution. So you could go in and just say, I want to generate uh, Halloween costume names or something, right? Sexy Donald Trump. <laughs> it, it's always sexy something just because there's so many stupid Halloween costumes that start with that. Cause Halloween, if you didn't know is the fastest growing holiday celebration in America. Of all How? Because it's, it's. Did people not celebrate it before? How is it growing? I think it's just. We don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no new holidays. <laughs> fewer and fewer people are like down to do like religious stuff. And Halloween is like non theistic at all, unless you're like into witchy shit. And even then, you're just like, I also want to dress up and drink. It's like, it's the most fun holiday we have because July 4th is now. Uh, embarrassing. <laughs> it, it is, especially we can't keep doing this jingoistic shit every year out of for, out of irony. Because, like, you keep saying the thing about irony is that eventually it's not ironic anymore. <laughs> I so I came to a decision last year for July Fourth. I used to have these like flag code breaking shorts that were the American flag. On the left leg, there were the star, or on the right leg, the stars. Left leg, the stripes, and I had a pair of socks that went with them. Yep. And then after after about 
20 minutes of consideration, I looked around and I was just like, damn, I don't want to be seen in public wearing this shit. <laughs> Not only is the American flag completely swaggerless, but I don't want people to confuse me with somebody who actually likes America. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest problem. I did the exact, like, I didn't, I had that the year before 2018 july 4 2018 i was like i can't do this shit anymore man like this i can't keep doing this so last year july 4th ran, came around and i was like i'll throw a party because it's the middle of july and i'm teaching like fine whatever let's do it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put all this shit on like i can't keep doing yeah so anyway <laughs> after seeing ten thousand different movie synopses this model is going to start to generate its own synopses now, big caveat to this, there's a lot of like curation that goes into what I'm going to read. So because, it's not just word soup? Oh, no. Most of these, when they come out, they sound like if you asked a 10-year-old to come up with a movie plot <laughs> on the spot, this is, how, <laughs> this is how it would sound. But for the ones that do actually sound somewhat intelligible, we're going to see if Denzel and Charles Prime that's, I'm named Charles. Heather Charles, Charles is Charles Prime. We're going to see if they can distinguish which, which ones are real and which ones are just silly, random IMDb uh, plots that I found. We were almost tied last time, so let's see how we do. Okay, I've got four pairs of one real, one fake movie in no particular order. Round one. Max and Paige are a mother and daughter con team. Max seduces wealthy men into marrying her. Then Paige seduces them into infidelity so Max can rake them over the divorce court coals. And then it's on to the next victim. And then the second synopsis. Hiram Hirsch doesn't know much about politics, but he has come to believe that having a political life is a good thing. So he sets out to make a name for himself in it by representing all of New York in the Supreme Court. I, that's yeah, super that tough. Because the I, first one I would definitely watch. And it sounds like that movie that, uh, what was it? It was like Debbie Harry and somebody? No. Or it a was, was it Debbie Harry? Last year, uh, I think it was like Anne Hathaway and somebody. Uh, Rebel Wilson were in a movie similar to that. Yeah. But there was one, it was a movie. Maybe it was fucking an Amy Schumer movie. I don't even. Oh, God. But it was like 2018, 2017, 18. And there was like, it was an older actress and a younger actress. And they were like doing stuff together. I don't remember what it was about, but that's what I thought of immediately because <laughs> that is a very fun plot idea. Yeah. But man, that second one sounds like an independent film that uh, definitely got made on like a budget Starring of like $75,000. Like Sorbo or some <laughs> shit. Uh, I'm going to go with number one being the real. I'm going to go with number two. No, I'm going to go with number one. I'm going to stand behind it. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, okay yeah. good because you were right okay now i see why so many annoying game show hosts say i'm sorry to tell you 10 second pause <laughs> that was not the incorrect answer and the crowd goes insane <laughs> <laughs> yes that first one was real it's called heartbreakers so you're in luck you can actually see this movie sick all right awesome round two the film explores the effects of the Holocaust on the psyche of an individual. <laughs> While the filmmaker explores a series of personal stories from the war, the viewer will find they also learn about how that traumatic event affects the lives of members of the same community. The filmmaker explores the power of seeing through the eyes of those who have been deeply affected by the war and how that affects them mentally and physically and how much can be gained by looking at the stories themselves. 
and then the second synopsis. The story of two young men, Tyler and Mason, who return to a secluded pasture they found as children and confront a hideous yet helpless creature that is exiled there. A story of one man's attempt to confront his past. I'm pretty sure that second one is real. Yeah, that sounds very familiar. Uh, there was, a, I, I want to say there was a movie trailer that I saw recently where this dude basically, Vince McMahon, walks into his friend's place and he's just like, hey, uh, help me, brother. Help me. We, we've known each other for some time. And I assume that's that movie. But I don't know. Maybe, oh, maybe that second movie is Monster Truck. Do you remember that? Yeah, Where the monster was living in the truck. I'm going number two. Yeah, I'm also going number two. Also, we should do monster truck on the show. Did anyone shit. actually see that? I, I only, saw it. I only remember that from the "fuck you, it's January" red letter media video. <laughs> oh, I saw monster truck. <laughs> you guys are correct. It's not monster truck. It's oh, called fuck. "Return to the Shadowed Pasture," a short film. Oh, okay. Now you know. That's cool. Round three, 50, uh, 50% of the way through, about two for two. Okay. Should cool. employ you guys as data labelers, which will be the one job that exists 100 <laughs> years into the future, giving more data to the machines to be able to learn. <laughs> you, you heard it here first. Well, it's funny you think yeah. that would be a job, and considering that's what they're turning us into automatically. <laughs> it's be a, to be a participant in society, you're just constantly on social media. Oh, God. You could use Twitter for that. Look, you remember 10 years ago or however long it was when you would upload pictures of you and your friends to Facebook. You'd have the little pop-up saying, Do you want to tag, tag your friends. Oh, Make sure exists. you click on their face. Oh, I don't know. I don't use Facebook. But click on their face and say who it is. And now you upload a photo and it just says, oh, I think these are the names of the four people that are with you in this. Yeah. Whoa. I found out because uh, I, I back up. Like since I'm paying for Prime anyway, I back up all my pictures in Amazon Photos, and then also I have Google back up my photos. And both of them, I found out, have facial recognition. They're like, hey, these are all the same people. Do you want to name them? And at first, I'm like, sure. That'll make me make it easier to find those people. But then I was like, I just gave their identity to the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Even if you don't do it yeah, out of some kind it. of like solidarity, your friends are doing yeah. it. So it's happening regardless. Just or, like how Facebook makes shadow profiles of people who don't exist when users upload their contacts and then Facebook on the back end hoovers up all those contacts and tries to figure shit. out if those people also exist on Facebook. Yikes. Holy shit, that's gnarly. We're living in a nightmare. And we all agree to the terms and conditions of it. After moving to a new town, Mary struggles with adjusting. After looking through a magazine, she finds what she needs, a robot friend named Montgomery. Through her adventures with Montgomery, Mary finds out what she really needs in her life. And then synopsis number two. Did an AI write that? <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like Bumblebee. <laughs> sounds like her, but <laughs> him. <laughs> the new york times has used an innovative and provocative method since 2003 to describe the recent rise of donald trump with an emphasis on the many facets of american political life the times takes viewers on a journey through the american political scene through interviews with some of the most prominent figures in the country's political and cultural right we also offer expert coverage of the most important issues facing our country's politics and culture. I'm going to say that second one is real. 
actually, it's hard to say. Yeah, those both sound legit. <laughs> the second one sounds super pretentious, but like definitely the kind of thing that would get made and released on like by the New York Times. Yeah, like legit because they're so up their own asses constantly. Yeah, it's hard to say. But All that right. first one is definitely like in the vein of like Home and Bumblebee, where it's just like. A <laughs> uh, young girl. It's like definitely one of those knockoff films, like all the knockoffs of Frozen that came out ten years, like five uh, years ago. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm gonna go with the second one because there's a lot of brand usage in there. Yeah, I don't know if the AI has gotten a hold of branding and <laughs> been able to like tell uh, what brands would use what for their storytelling, like. And New York Times in politics is like very on point. Mm. But if it was like New York Times in food or New York Times in cars, I'd be like, huh, that sounds fake. But this is like pretty on point. And maybe maybe it's so on point that the AI <laughs> didn't do did right. playing this game. <laughs> very specific. I don't know. It's difficult. This one's really hard. I'm going with the first one. I feel like there's 20 of those movies with like basically that premise. With a robot husbando? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with number two. Number one is not the fake one. <laughs> number one is real. It's called Mary Ann Montgomery. Oh, wow. That was uh, that second one was pretty good for the AI. Damn. Yeah, I, I'm glad that the extra effort that I put into... Uh, doing this segment this time around of like looking for things that look slightly more real is paying off because you guys are like a lot more mm -hmm. lost than you were last time. Yeah. Last time I was like, oh, that one's obviously fake. Oh, that one it used the same word twice in a row. Also fake. Yeah. This one, New York Times branding. Oh, no, <laughs> the AI can't pick up on that. I got news for you. It can. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait until the AI replaces us all on the show. <laughs> Fuck. Just give me a speech to text thing, and then uh, I'll start feeding all the transcripts <laughs> into that, and I'll see where we go. Okay, final round. The World's Largest Baked Beans is a film celebrating the amazing culinary and cultural talent that goes into making beautiful, delicious baked beans. This one's fake. <laughs> <laughs> With an array of award-winning chefs, including Lucille Chinea, Sarah Weichel, Jen Ritter, Lisa Miller, and many more, the film gives a fresh and raw look at the beauty of the food we eat every day. This film is a must-see for all food lovers. No matter where or when you're at, this is the recipe for you. With one simple ingredient, this recipe is making your day. And the second synopsis. Baking with Mercury is an absurd cooking show hosted by the incomparable scientist Dr. Mac Mercury and his trusty cyborg sidekick. They use unique gadgetry and hard science to prepare some of your favorite dishes. This is your food on Mercury. Who knows what you might learn or unlearn? That second one sounds real. And the only reason why I say that is because somebody put me onto another cooking show that had a wild like premise like that. It was uh, the Curious Creations of Christine something. I don't know. Maybe that's not even it. But it's on Netflix. Shout out to you turning heel. Uh, it was in the discord and I watched it and I was just like, this is such a weird premise. It's like a <laughs> horror themed uh, cooking show and the host makes actual 
like things that you can make at home. It's really quite interesting. But it's like got a whole theme and aesthetic around it. That's not just me in my kitchen. Exactly. It's like, oh, I made these like fake bones uh, that are peanut butter and pretzel with like grapes on the end or some shit. I don't know. And a spooky manner, like that sort of thing. And how about you, Charles? I think that first one's fake as fuck. It just sounds fake. <laughs> <laughs> like the algorithm got stuck on a single thing. But like also there's so many niche, like weird documentaries. I'm with Denzel. Second one's real. All right. You're both right. Hey, there baking, we go. Baking with Mercury is the name of that. Baking with Mercury. That's cool. That's interesting. That's like a fun angle to take a cooking show. The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. It was only it only existed for one season and it came out in 2018. Very uh very odd show. I would say check it out if you're into like weird niche horror stuff. It was hyper niche. It should have been a YouTube channel. Like I think it would have worked better there, but yeah. They wouldn't have had the budget for it, I assume. Anyway, thank you thank you Charles for your AI you, that's getting better at this. <laughs> that by the time we do a third one, we won't be able to tell it. Yeah, all. We'll both, it'll be zeros all the time. So, uh, Mr. Parkman over here won. I think. Yeah, you had one up on me. Yep. Yeah. So the third one, yeah. I got right. You got wrong. Denzel Correct. wins round one. Charles wins round two. Guess yes. we'll have to do this a third time, yeah, so gotta, I hope you like listening to this. Tiebreaker. Speaking of things we hope you like listening to, <laughs> Charles here has a little review for us of Sonic the Hedgehog. I saw Sonic the Hedgehog last night. How many people were there? Shit was full. Really? So weird thing. About an hour and a half before, uh, I looked up tickets at the two theaters closest to my house. I'm like, I'm going to go to the one that's the least full. So I go to buy tickets at one of the theaters and there, there are two seats that have already been picked. I'm like, dope. <laughs> this will be fine. I'll be able to go in. I can drink out of my flask. My brother went with me. He's like, we'll be able to go. We'll drink. We'll get dumber with this movie if we have to. And we get there. So I didn't even, I didn't even bother. I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to buy the ticket. There's only two seats are taken. The movie starts in 40 minutes. I'm not even going to worry about it. So we get to the theater, super long line. Half the people apparently in this line are there to see Sonic. We get in, we get into the seats, which are pretty close to the seats I was going to pick anyway. We get in and the theater's already half full when we walk in. And by the time the trailers are done, there's not a single empty seat in this theater. (laughs) Impressive. And it was uh, ultimately a negative because there were a lot of children who were probably too young to see movies. And his parents didn't care about other people enjoying the film. But that aside, this movie should have been fucking awful, you guys. It should not have been. (laughs) (laughs) All signs point to this movie not doing well and not being, like, even watchable. And as someone who thoroughly enjoyed Dora and the Lost City of Gold or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And also really likes Detective Pikachu. It's like right along there. Like it's not, this movie's not going to win any awards. It's not like revolutionary really, but they told like an enjoyable story that kept Sonic from being super annoying despite being on screen for most of the film. 
Jim Carrey fucking weirdly just like came out of retirement to be Eggman and is having so much fucking fun in a way that's not super cringy that it was like it was weirdly engaging the entire time. I didn't even finish my flask and as someone who loves to drink during movies that's <laughs> saying something but the they every brand has to have like a special opening now and so they did the Sega they're like Sega logo thing and it starts off and it's just a bunch of different like Sega Gen- Sega and Sega Genesis games. So that was like really nice. Even like real obscure ones. And then it zooms out. I was hoping for the Genesis era. Sega! But they didn't do it. Oh. Missed opportunity. But it was a cool little logo. It gets into it. Adds some stuff that I don't know if we needed. But also like hinted at a bunch of stuff in like the opening scene. You see a bunch of uh, of echidnas. Um, no indication that any of them are related to Knuckles at all, but you do see a bunch of them. And Sonic, the twist with the rings is that they're dimensional portals. Well, yeah, at, at the <laughs> you end didn't of levels, know that. It makes sense because some of them, at least in Sonic, well, it's how you get into yeah, it's how you get into the um, the special zones in the uh, Genesis games, mm-hmm. but. He's given Sonic is given one by or a bag of them by his like caretaker. Just this really weirdly like realistic, but also not owl. Like she doesn't fit the design <laughs> sense of the other Sonic characters, um, of whom we only see Sonic and then these echidnas. But they look like they took Knuckles and translated it in the same way they took Sonic and translated them into this art style. And she's just like this. She's just a fucking owl. You're like okay, this is fine. She gives him a bunch of rings so that whenever he's like someone discovers his power, he can escape uh, through one of these. And she gives him a list of like safe worlds to go to. And Sonic spends some amount of time doing that. There's like a time, it's like him as a kid, time jumped to 10 years later. He's been on Earth for at least a couple of years. And it's like super endearing, like how he interacts with everybody. But like, secretly no one like knows he's there but he's just kind of created this existence for himself where he he's hiding out but because he's in this small town he can kind of work his way around and get to know people just through observation and ben schwartz never gets annoying as the voice of sonic i do think i would have preferred roger craig smith who's the current voice of sonic in the games but like ben schwartz is also fun and fine everyone there are very few character like characters in this movie so everyone gets space to actually act and jim carrey chews the shit out of the scenery every every scene he's in but it's fun like it's very like classic jim carrey where he just gets he just to be this really pretentious up his own ass dickhead genius but all of like the weird like quirks and stuff that he picks are engaging and none of, uh, they're funny and none of them he doesn't overdo any one of them it like uh, there are a handful of things that he like a handful of choices he made that i'm like that could get annoying if i had to see it for the next hour and he was like just enough for it to be a bit and then it's on to something else and it works really well if you liked detective pikachu you're probably gonna like sonic the hedgehog if you liked dora then uh, message me and let's hang out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Sonic is good. It shouldn't have been. Like I said, it's not great. No one's going to win any awards. There's definitely going to be a sequel because it's performing pretty well from what I saw. While you were talking, I was looking up its box office performance, and it was projected to have made $70 million domestically this weekend on a budget of $95 million. Worldwide, it's made a little over 110. So, hell yeah. It's looking it, like it's the biggest video game movie opening ever. Yeah, because I think a bunch of people saw it. Like, people took their kids to see it Thursday, or yeah, the Friday, and it got out that it's not bad. And then people started seeing it Saturday and Sunday. Because I was sure that by Sunday, it would have been like flash in the pan. We're going to see it because it's Valentine's Day, and that's funny. And then drops off by because it's a holiday weekend too so you know they were counting on that it's probably the only reason they picked valentine's day just happened to be a holiday weekend like we can stretch out those numbers a little bit if we say the weekend's numbers and we got four days but yeah dude it should have been bad and it it's not that's good to hear it's like it's actually enjoyable and the same like it'll turn your brain off like this is fun kind of way did they have any sort of post-credits Easter egg where they showed the same scenes but with the original CG Sonic? The or have they totally that, disavowed that? That would have been really funny. If they like done <laughs> like outtakes, like how Pixar used to do. <laughs> they used to do outtakes and like we gotta find another guy. <laughs> <laughs> Bring in. They do the uh, credit sequence like is a bit stylized, so it's like scenes from the movie, but with a bit Sonic and a bit graphics and stuff so that's kind of fun and there is a brief mid credit scene and it's just tails coming through a ring sorry spoilers it doesn't matter it's so little it's literally like seven <laughs> seconds and a ring opens tails comes out like he's here and then flies off and it's like cool that's a fun thing there's definitely going to be a sequel so that'd be cool to see but yeah uh see sonic i'm gonna um agree with Rella in the discord that if you're not like into it don't see it in theaters like it's fine if you don't see it in theaters there's nothing even like the big action sequences aren't so spectacle heavy that you're doing yourself a disservice by not seeing it in theaters they really kept a good handle on how big they wanted to get with the action sequences but it's fun it's fun and fine and if you don't want to see it in theaters don't don't feel like you have to you're not going to miss anything by catching it on whatever streaming platform gets it first or whatever thing you decide to pirate it off of. I don't normally advocate for piracy <laughs> piracy. Look, this is the show is very off the rails, uh, not following the usual format mainly because I haven't done this in a while and I'm <laughs> not, I'm, I'm bad at it. There are again. a lot of factors today, a lot of factors. And I, I have to say, I'm sure I've complained about this before, but like, why the fuck am I paying for Netflix or Hulu or any streaming service if I can count the pixels on the screen as I watch it? Yeah. It's bullshit. Dude, you gotta, it, it's gonna make you eventually just use your PS4 for everything because if you stream it in a browser, it sucks. Yeah. It's fucking, it's fucking awful. I, I bought an Apple TV actually. No. Right. And that thing sucks. That does it. A, it's like it's better than the Roku that I have, yeah. but the Roku is also like I don't know six years old yeah. or some shit. The uh, Apple TV's got no excuse. Anyway, uh, thank you for the short review. Uh, in summation, see Sonic yeah, the Hedgehog. See, see a Sonic. Don't eat at Sonic though. That don't place. eat at Sonic. Sonic is garbage. <laughs> yeah, man, I was so mad when Sonic opened up in 
Southern California and there was like lines around the fucking block. Like it was worth it. And it fucking wasn't. And it's still not. <laughs> no. And they keep opening more. I'm like, every now and then I'll drive by and I'm like, future site of Sonic. How are any of these doing well enough for you to open another one in San Diego? Because they figured out the game, man. You know how places charge for sodas? I used to work at a movie theater. So I found out that the syrup for the sodas, like you can get a little box of it for mm-hmm. like 15 or 20 bucks yeah. or some shit like that. And it, in effect, it costs for a large soda like five cents. And the cup is like, I don't know, less than that because they buy so many. Yeah. But what Sonic has figured out is how to get like the syrups with decent flavors, I guess. And it's so cheap because most of the cup is filled up with fucking ice, yeah. dude. And so what I used to do, here's the, here's the technology for all you drunkards out there. <laughs> you drink, you order one of the big ass ones, the gigantic drinks, the supersized ones that are meant for a family of four or whatever. You drink down half of it, then you fill the rest of it with soju. And boy, you'll be riding fucking high, <laughs> dude. When we get back, our review of Dr. Detroit's Yeah, I've encountered that a few times where I'm just like, what if I don't allow cookies and maybe like five or six times the window is just closed. I'm like, so you don't actually care. <laughs> yeah. It's just you have to, someone told you you had to legally give me the option and so you did, but now I just can't. It's part of using this service or viewing this information is contingent on you being able to track me getting that information. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but we still want to run ads. Please, this is how we make money. Bitch, you make money off the information. I'll collate it from yeah, these I, fucking cookies. I hate cookies. that shit. When, man, we're getting derailed. But I hate that shit. When, like, yeah, I have a, like, uh, it'll be like, hey, we detected you using an ad blocker. And we understand. But we'd really appreciate it if, like, you know, we get a lot of our ad, a lot of our revenue from ads. And we're like, oh, that's cool. And then just close it. Like, <laughs> I watched Hulu on, because uh, I have the Disney Plus bundle. And so their bundle doesn't allow for Hulu without ads. Whack ridiculous so the only the only workaround is to have a separate hulu account using the same email and then disney plus just gives you four dollars back every month oh that's chill so but it's like steps but it's true that's how they get you but i was watching hulu on my laptop for the first time in probably years and my ad blocker caught the ads i was like hey who you're plan doesn't include no ads so like hulu has to have ads but it still runs the timer so i just like instead of watching the same two ads for an hour and a half every time i want to watch two episodes of a show it's just a black screen for 90 seconds i'm like this is also fine this is better (laughs) so uh never turn your ad blocker off unless you literally can't use the service without doing so wasn't that a premise of some Netflix show where if you didn't have the money to pay for something, you could pay to have another person follow you around and just read ads to you for like the time in which like you you had them pay for you. It sounds like a Black like Mirror a, episode. It had Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Oh yeah, that I didn't actually watch that. Oh, I didn't watch that one. I yeah, know, I, I didn't watch that movie either. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was like Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Hopefully, it's as funny as Super Bad. <laughs> and then I saw the ad and I was like, No, this looks too self-serious. It's very self-serious. I know because I watched the I watched the uh, trailer for it about 30 times because you can't not if you open Netflix and it's the first thing. <laughs> well, now you can. But you have to like log into on a browser. This is a tip for everybody. Netflix released this information like a week ago. They've uh, they'll allow you to turn off autoplay, but you have to log into Netflix on a browser, go into your profile settings, 
find the individual profile. You can't even do it across your whole account. You have to pick your profile and turn off auto autoplay for ads. And then next time you sign into something else, like your Fire Stick or your console, then it won't autoplay anymore. That sounds magnificent. It's great. I did it immediately. <laughs> the dark secret is the reason they probably allow that is they likely A-B tested how many people would actually go through these steps and found that the cost-benefit analysis showed that, well, if only 5% of people disable this feature, then we won't have the vast majority of our users skipping through the things that we're shoving into their face yeah. that we want them to see. Welcome back. This week's subgenre is, remember when they made movies like this? I don't remember what the rest of it was from the beginning, <laughs> so that'll just have to do. This week we're reviewing Dr. Detroit, which was released on May 6th, 1983, directed by Michael Pressman, produced by Robert K. Weiss, written by Bruce J. Friedman, Carl Gottlieb, and Robert Boris, starring Dan Aykroyd, Howard Hessman, George Firth, James Brown, that's pretty high billing for James Brown, T.K. Carter, Donna Dixon, Fran Drescher, Lydia Lay, and Lynn Whitfield. Music by Lalo Schreifrin, Ira Newborn, Devo, Patty Brooks, Dan Aykroyd, James Brown, and T.K. Carter. Cinematography by King Baggett. That's a name. <laughs> that is a name. Edited by Christopher Greenberry, and with a budget of eight million dollars, it pulled in a box office of ten point three. So, Doctor Detroit is a zany movie. I will say it's a fucking zany. Movie, it's zany guys. shit. There's it's, a fucking dance sequence at the end. It's such a weird movie. It's like a nice throwback. I feel like I I have no idea what was going through the minds of the people who wrote this, but I feel like at some point. They were just like, how many things can we just stuff into a single yeah. movie? We had a sword fight, dance sequence. Uh, what I would yeah, what the fuck is the sword fight about? <laughs> you don't even see him grab the sword. <laughs> there were kebabs. Okay, they went through the kitchen. Apparently. I must have looked away for a second because I missed that. <laughs> you must have been yo-yoing during the movie, which <laughs> happens. It happens to the best of us, especially me. Um, it, they start a sword fight. They have. Um, like a shootout in a car graveyard, which I thought was an actual gra graveyard. I also thought it was an actual graveyard because they didn't. Say, I didn't hear car graveyard. No, it I was didn't like either. graveyard, and she was like graveyard sounds kind of dramatic. And then they get there and it's a junkyard. I'm like they just did they say? Put, on, did did they, they, put, they literally say graveyard yeah. earlier in the movie? Yeah, I was like, did he I say? That. Did they say graveyard earlier? And like they filmed that scene already, and then they were like, we can't actually get the permits to film in a graveyard. <laughs> so there's a junkyard that doesn't care if we're there overnight. <laughs> That's probably what happened. They're like, we can't change the script now. We already did it. Yeah, we already shot it. Whatever. We only have the budget for this one action sequence that's not indoors. So we got to <laughs> film it now. One of the things that I appreciate so much about this movie, maybe it was a mistake to make it a no concessions pick, but I... I kept thinking about this movie mostly because of how uh, how much I enjoyed the fact that it was fucking short. Yeah, and it had it got to the point really quickly. That's I don't know that I like the movie as much as I like those two things about it. Mm -hmm. Because when you, when I watch a movie now, it's like fuck, I got to settle in for two and a half hours yeah. and just waste a day or at least a, con a considerable chunk of a day. Yeah, just like kind of fucking 
I don't know, not enjoying what I'm seeing because there's so much like superfluous information yeah. in every movie that comes out. Like it's it's like the film school product uh, problem, but with larger movies. So in film school, a lot of the problems that the students have is they include too much information. Mm. One thing that would happen constantly, and it's a cliche for a reason, is when people would start filming somebody's day start, they would film everything. Every single thing. It's They get out of bed. They put on some clothes. They go to the bathroom. They brush their teeth. They take a shower. They get out of the shower. They dry off. They put on more clothes. Or I guess they wouldn't be putting on clothes before getting into the shower and then after. But you get the point. Yeah. In movies now, it's like, well, what can we do to build out these characters that don't fucking matter? Yeah. It's okay. Cool. Avengers Endgame is a great example of this. I don't give a fuck about more than one scene of the group meetings. Like, I don't care yeah. about, like, I, the conversations that happen between Steve and uh, Black, uh, what's her name? Black Widow. Black mm-hmm. Widow. The, those conversations yeah, we don't already, need to happen. We, especially in a movie like Endgame, where we already have the context. It's the last decade of films. We already know what these character interactions are. Give us either, like, give us more of the ones that we haven't seen. Like, the Thor and Rocket stuff is mediocre. But at least it's a new, unique interaction that we haven't seen in the universe before up to this point. So it's like, if you're going to take time to show character interactions, which is the best way to give like personality, is like, don't tell us what, don't just like have them say what their personality is. Give it to us in the context of how they interact with people. But it, a lot of current modern films, especially like blockbusters, do too much of it. Where it's like we need so many scenes of people interacting with each other before they start punching. And it's like we don't need any of this. This is so much of it. So there's this book that has a lot of clout in like the film and theater writing like zeitgeist called Story, which deconstructs what the elements of making like a compelling narrative are. And one of them is if you've got a movie following a protagonist, then the only necessary scenes you should include in your story are from the start of one scene to the end of one scene. How did this character change based on their experiences from that particular scene and everything like everything included in a movie that starts with character wakes up character gets dressed and character goes to work as one scene is totally unnecessary because yeah, they haven't it accomplishes changed. nothing. It adds nothing to their arc. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of movies that come out now, I feel like have that issue where it's story elements that don't do anything for the arc of any of the characters. If you want it to be like uh, already about it, you just, instead of slotting in terrible scenes with the actual actors in the movie, you just film somebody on the street doing something mundane, like somebody standing and smoking a cigarette for 40 seconds, <laughs> rather than hearing people chirp at each other yeah. with quippy bullshit dialogue yeah. in ways that people don't actually talk. It gets real banter heavy to the point where it's like, no one fucking talks like this. Yeah, yeah. But Dr. Detroit, I, I appreciate the movie's brevity, even though it's dumb. The premise is dumb. It's people, an absolutely bizarre premise. <laughs> it is. And people, normal people wouldn't react in that way. But again, you grant movies like this leeway because it's a comedy. Yeah. And you don't want to be a fun pyre. Yeah. And on top of that, it's very frenetic. Everyone talks very quickly. The action, like, there's one weird scene where he, where he 
they like speed up the footage when he's like undressing in the beginning. It's like that's weird and kind of jarring. But like everything else, the energy of the film is so frenetic that things are just happening. So you don't really have time to be like, why the fuck is he doing? It's just yeah, he he talked and he said that he liked them. So now he has to do this thing. And then, <laughs> but even, and that's even like the the idea behind like how the plot gets going is like we just, if we just keep him off balance, we can get him to do whatever we want, and it works. And so you're like, yeah, they're clearly just like conning this dude into it and it's effective. But then he, it's fucking wild. It's just, it, things just keep happening, but not in a way that feels rushed. It's just matched. The energy is matched by how the characters are acting and how quickly the plot is moving forward. And it takes place over a short amount of time. It's only like three days. So of course it's happening quickly. We can't show you three full days. We just got to get to it. I agree. Thoughts? Well, uh, let's talk about what actually happens in this movie. Okay. For, oh, yeah. For how good... crazy it is. So we open up with Dan Aykroyd speed walking, which has always been kind of like a funny. He's so skinny, just real side. But he's so skinny he in is. this movie. It's like weird. Because even you see him in Ghostbusters, he's not that thin in Ghostbusters. And it was like two years after. Ghostbusters was what, 85? So it's like, it's so weird seeing him that thin. It was jarring to me when it started. <laughs> but he's just speed walking through the park and a comically large car pulls by him with uh, pimp number one, smooth walker, and his four prostitutes off to go and do the thing hey, it's it only is. two that... of the prostitutes at first. <laughs> right, they see him a second time after they pick up the other two. And their driver, Diavolo, who I thought when they were saying Diablo, just weird the whole time. And then I saw in the credits, it's Diavolo. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's such a weird fucking name. So they see him. They point out how geeky he looks. And in all of the scenes you do see with Dan Aykroyd, he is a 100% dweeb. To be fair, when he's power walking, he's got oh, yeah, he's mirrors, got mirrors on his glasses. Like what you see cyclists have. He's wearing a watch on one wrist and a, I assume, a heart rate monitor on the other. It would be ridiculous if he's wearing two watches, but... That's the kind of character he is, Yeah, that's the kind of character he is. And he's got his, like, Walkman on. But, so he does deserve the ire that he gets. (laughs) He gets roasted by some prostitutes. And after after they drive off, uh, they go pick up some other girls. And they drive around a little bit. And then they see Dan Aykroyd again. And Diablo's like, look at this square. Oh, check (laughs) this guy out. (laughs) And that builds up to the point where later in the film, uh, Dan Aykroyd is a professor at a university and he's dressed in his university attire. He goes to an Indian restaurant and uh, three of the Jasmine and Monica and Fran Drescher's character and the other woman are sitting there and they recognize uh, the four prostitutes. I should have said instead, the four prostitutes recognize Dan Aykroyd in this Indian restaurant. And they're like, isn't that that fucking dude with the nice legs? That's, that's yeah. <laughs> the dude with the nice legs who was walking all crazy yesterday or earlier today. And prior to this, Smooth Walker has a meeting with another mob leader in Chicago named Mom. Uh, Mom is, uh, what, what was her name? What was her name? The actress? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Anyway, he has a meeting with Mom, uh, who is basically a big pimp in the game. It's Yeah, she's like runs all of the crime in Chicago, I think is what we're supposed to assume. 
Yeah, yeah we're, we're never actually shown anything that she does yeah, well, or we manages. Like, we're just told she's a really big deal. Yeah, we don't watch know if out she's for like, mom. Is she running drugs? Is she running guns? Like, does she have <laughs> other pimps that work under her? Like, what exactly does she do? And it's just like, no, Smooth is just afraid of her and knows her a bunch of money. Yeah. He, she, he owes her $80,000 in 1980s money. Yeah. Which is a lot, I assume. I don't know. I make I'm, it pull up a inflation count yeah please do i was curious about this because like i was like well how do you rack up that much money and then afford that apartment that you live in but not just sell the apartment and pay her back her money and get a smaller apartment fucking weird instead of fleeing the country it's it's that short-term mentality which got him into the world of being a pimp i think yeah he was (laughs) fair enough Smooth Walker basically is told by mom, like, you need to get my money or else it's your ass. It's $170,000 a month for 60K, which is what he actually borrowed. And she added $20,000 on top of it. Yeah. $227,000 in today's money. That's a lot. That's enough to, like, get your fucking legs broken over for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he could have sold his apartment. I don't care. Anyway, uh, not to be that guy. Also, that he doesn't stop spending money even after this. He's like, fuck it, we're going to go out to dinner, and I'm going to buy this dude dinner, and I'm going to keep buying booze and drugs all night. Yeah, which is, we'll get to that. He meets with mom. Smooth Walker meets with mom. And he basically is given this ultimatum, like, give me my money or I'm going to fuck you up. And he's like, ah, I don't know, mom, there's a new dude in town. He's very scary. And he does like the classic bit. This may have originated it where he looks at stuff in the room and combines <laughs> it to make a name. On. He the, pulls the usual suspects. Yeah, that's well, a decade before. Usual way, suspects. way worse than, um, than Kevin for- Spacey did it in that movie. He's very obviously looks over mom's shoulder and sees a calendar that says Detroit in giant letters. This man from uh, Detroit. Yeah, he's uh, pulled he's the doctor, doctor out of nowhere. Dr. Detroit. Well, I think mom had a colonoscopy or some shit and she yeah. had the signed picture, which is weird from the doctor. Right. Like she's laying <laughs> in the like, hospital bed. And they signed it to mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Fucking weird, man. Fucking weird. Anyway, he's he comes up with a plot effectively to uh, get out of paying this money. And as part of that plot, when he sees the hookers at the Indian restaurant and he sees Dan Aykroyd again, he starts the wheels start turning. And he's like, oh, maybe I should get this guy involved. And it's that's where the night kicks off. He invites Dan Aykroyd over to eat dinner with them. And then they start flirting with him all crazy it's fucking the night takes off from there they just start drinking doing drugs like at one point smooth walker just drops a handful of pills into yeah, Dan. Full on, just drops two pills and then pours more booze on top and he drinks the whole thing yeah and the girls like force him to inhale marijuana which was like a very frightening scene for me yeah dude that felt uncomfortable immediately when like jasmine like, they're oh, like passing and, the joints around, and he's like, doesn't really affect me. It's like, whatever. Because he just kind of like does, you know, baby's first joint, and it's kind of like <laughs> <laughs> takes a quick takes a quick drag, like it's a cigarette he doesn't want, and then he passes it on. And so Jasmine t- takes, a, takes a hit and then grabs him, kisses him to like blow smoke into his mouth. And then he, she and Monica cover his mouth and nose until he starts coughing. <laughs> They do that to him twice. Do you think the reason they put that scene in is uh, back then during that time, weed was seen as being like a much more sinister drug too? Hey, maybe. I maybe. think it was just 
so it was like overt because every uh, everything they're doing to get him like fucked up is super overt so i think it's just in line with the same in the same line as putting just two full pills <laughs> into his little glass and which he there's also an olive in there so he drinks all of it including the olive like that's gross by itself you don't have to <laughs> do it like that dude but i think it's because it's supposed to be so obvious and overhanded that they just want to get that point across, but it is very uncomfortable to watch. And then it happens again five minutes later. I'm like, fuck, dude. This, I know they're like, this is a pimp and his four prostitutes trying to like con a dude into getting killed over debt. <laughs> but this still seems really predatory and gross. Oh, yeah. In, in another setting, this could be the setup to Dan Aykroyd getting wrapped up into the world of sex trafficking. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's where I thought this movie was going to go initially because I'm used to movies being as dark and disturbing as yeah. possible now. Where what happened to levity? What happened to adult movies that came out that are just fun? Now everything's fucking miserable. Anyway, this movie is light and fun. He gets in trouble with some hookers and he spends like the night over there. And another problem that I kind of have with this movie after a, a second viewing Yes, I was taken aback by the first one. But the problem is there's not really too much conflict in it. There, there's conflict as far as like mom and the hookers go, but there's not conflict. Well, it's never really shown what mom would actually do to come through on her debt not getting filled. Yeah, there's no active threat, really. Yes. He's just like, I got to get the fuck out of town. They're smooth. It's just like, I have to go. I have to get out of here. But I'm going to leave you ladies behind. <laughs> this is your problem now. Because presumably he knows that if she's, if mom is on him about paying the money back and he doesn't and just like disappears and leaves the girls behind, she's just going to continue to pimp them and just like treat them worse, I guess. I Yeah, I suppose so. She threw one onto a couch and there's not like much threat of, a vi- of violence here. Yeah. She throws one on the couch because Monica's reasonably so like no this is not gonna fucking happen yeah and mom just takes her and shoves her onto a couch you listen to me bitch she doesn't they're they're not even called bitches in this movie despite the movie being a rated r film yeah they don't they don't even like really make a big deal about them being prostitutes there's like this is a very forward-thinking movie yeah for 81 for there to be a comedy that stars four prostitutes and it not be like ah these fucking sluts is really good (laughs) (laughs) They're not like, as far as you can tell, like they don't work as far as like these three days go or however long it takes place over. Like they don't have to worry about working at all. Yeah. We see them get dropped off at the beginning. to like wherever. And then, and then they don't even get picked up. They just meet smooth at the Indian restaurant. It's like, they clearly just like take care of their own business for the most part. Not even sure what Smooth does, really, when it comes down to it. It's he's just there. It's like the manager at any retail spot. Yeah, I did like in it. On that same vein, it does feel like the the four girls are very much like in control of the situation. Even like Jasmine switches back and forth, like she's trying to like get somebody. She like turns up the. Uh, the Asian accent really strong. Yeah. It's like, that's uncomfortable. But then she like immediately just switches back. She like, it's like, yeah, you just like, I just turn it up and not really like the dude with the Vietnamese fetish. And he's like, yeah, just turn it on and let him play. Find the, the fan vote or whatever. It's like, all right, well, she's clearly in control that she understands. Like she's on board with it because it gets her more money. Yeah. Way to go. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> 20 woke points for you. The writers of this film, very, very much so, 
didn't care. Yeah. It's just, what's the funniest situation to put a white nerd in? Yeah. And it's a multicultural gang of hookers who are actually quite nice. Yeah. He even like plays it up in the court scene. Whatever. We'll get there. Yeah. Right, because this movie's bonkers. Like <laughs> this movie's fucking insane. Yeah, the biggest jump in logic is after Smooth Walker leaves, Dan Aykroyd just takes it on himself to become the new pimp. For well, he doesn't hookers. even because he doesn't send them out to work. He doesn't like do anything in terms of supporting the sex work. He's just like they call him the next day and like we need help, and yeah. he just goes and helps them because they're nice. <laughs> And he also presumably had sex with all of them. Oh, yeah, that probably also happened. Because when they got him super fucked up and... Yeah, he was high on all kinds of shit. Yeah. And, like, at one point, Smooth Walker's standing next to him with the coke (laughs) peen. just (laughs) sitting there. Like, doesn't even, like, actively push it towards him. He's just like, you know, you could have all this all the time. You could have your own business. No living under your father or anything. (laughs) It's like, wait, what? Okay, I get, like, that's part of the con. But, like, why do you just have this coke nail ready? (laughs) And I may have looked away again. Does he, like, snort it? I don't think so. Because the whole time, Dan Aykroyd is, like, not He's like having a good time, but at no point does he like try to fuck any of the girls before that point. He never tries to fuck him again afterwards. He's just like a good dude who's <laughs> just having a great time because no one pays attention to him. And he's having fun. I get, I get the sense that this script, when you read the original script before it was doctored because of what there were four writers on mm-hmm. this. So I'm sure the original script was like much heavier yeah and like way way more thought out and like a series of different ways where it's like oh wow like what does being a virtuous person really mean and all this other shit like the things that dan Aykroyd touches on because he's a professor of english literature or whatever the fuck and i'm sure at points like shakespeare and all these other things in philosophy were to come in to the original script but in this movie it just makes him seem like a weird dork yeah. which like really works for this it movie. does it works really it's very effective it would have been much worse if it tried to be serious at any point let's yeah. think about the ramifications of what it means to suddenly be responsible for these four women who are in trouble yeah like he has the but he has like the one weird dream and that's about as far as it goes like into is this the right thing? Am I a bad person because I'm doing this? And it's like, that's a weird dream sequence where like uh, your dad sells your mom and like, that's weird. But it's like, (laughs) but it's so clearly a dream that you just like, you're over it. And then the next day they call him for help and he just does. So mom sets up after like hearing this Dr. Detroit story, uh, mom sets up Thelma to get arrested. And that's, so that's when they call Dan Aykroyd's character. Clifford something? Yeah, Cliff. That's when they call Cliff. Skridlow. Cliff Skridlow. That's when they call him to like help out. And so he does in the most ridiculous way possible. He goes in, sees the judge, and it's like, oh, fuck. He's like a southern gentleman. His name is Robert E. Lee Jefferson <laughs> Davis. <Yeah. laughs> it's like, it, it took me yeah. so, i didn't even process that as a joke right away because like that's a cartoonishly long name and that's what i thought the joke was until they start until i saw the name again on the uh placard yeah i was like oh wait a second <laughs> <laughs> and then they start get, so that's and that's where i thought it was going so he sees like what kind of dude this is and like hears him like being super tough but like talking with like a southern song southern accent so he goes out and like there's this presumably like shitty lawyer 
He's like, for some reason, just standing in a Colonel Sanders outfit outside of the courtroom. Yeah, because he's not Southern. Why is he dressed that way? <laughs> he's like, hey, you need a lawyer? Like, what's going on? And he's like, well, not to insult you. I'm a lawyer. You can't insult me. <laughs> it's like fuck. So he buys the clothes off the lawyer and goes into the courtroom. He just kicks open the door. Just goes full foghorn leghorn on him. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. <laughs> it's just like it's just loud and blustery and southern. And it's like and just makes up all this bullshit to try to get Thelma off and like appeals to the dude, um, like as a southerner. And he's like, "It's my sister, and we will not stand for this." And so he's like, "Nope, you're right." we shouldn't have been he's like whatever like it's cool i'll get her remanded back into your custody and i'll throw this whole case out and they're like go get her he's like to one of the bailiffs like go get her and so he signs off like close and then she comes out and he's like wait a minute that girl's colored and they just <laughs> run just fucking book it out of the courtroom <laughs> that part was so fucking funny I was just I, that, I did not expect and that he's like, like bring him back <laughs> on charges of impersonating a cracker <laughs> I'm like holy shit that could have been so much that could have been super racist and it wasn't and it's very funny it, it worked out really well I that was the first point in the movie when I was just like Oh my god! Like this could turn out so bad. Is this going to be really bad? And then it fucking wasn't. It just turns in a really fun way. Shout out to Dan Aykroyd, man. This movie is very funny. It's weird, but it's very funny all the way through. And he's like doing this back and forth of he's got to present his his the college he works for is going fucking bankrupt, and so his dad, who's I guess the whatever the top person, chancellor, the, the chancellor of the university, it's like look. If we don't get this check from this dude who like he's a businessman, he's a alumni, like he's an alumnus of the school, he's giving us some we're gonna give him an honorary degree, he's gonna donate to the school, but like if this doesn't go well, we're fucked. We're closing down. Um it's like he's like end of next week, it's shut down. It's like where, how did you get to the point where you're a week away from closing <laughs> as a university? <laughs> Must have been a lot different in the eighties. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they should have caught on to uh out-of-state tuition as a scam way earlier. <laughs> so that's what Cliff's got going on in his normal life. He's like, he's trying to help his dad out, make sure the school gets this money so that the school can continue. But now he's like wrapped up in his Dr. Detroit shit. So after he helps Thelma out, he goes up to the penthouse that Smooth has put himself in debt for and then immediately abandoned. And mom shows up. It's like, <laughs> I thought of that scene in that Chappelle show. Within the Rick James True Hollywood stories, so she like rose up. I was like, "Nice place, nigga." And I was like, "It's exactly what I thought would happen." But she's like, "This is nice. You guys are clearly living pretty well, doing pretty good for yourselves. You guys work for me now, and we're taking some of this shit." And just like into her two goons, it's like, "Yo, I like that. Grab it. I like that. Grab." And he's like, and that's when she throws Monica down into the chair after she speaks up to her, and then. Cliff just jumps in the fucking action. Is like, no, this will not stand. I won't allow you to do this. And then it's like, they're about to beat the shit out of him. And he like flips because clearly we get from the beginning of the film. He's very into being fit. But he flips. But he's like, I'm Dr. Detroit's executive, executive assistant. Yeah. I speak for him. He won't stand for this. If you start some shit right now, it's going to come down on you. He's like, I don't talk to small fry. I talk to the boss. Get your boss here. He's like, fine. Tomorrow, midnight, at the graveyard. <laughs> and the whole time he's like in, like he's gonna fucking, like in an Aikido pose, like he's about to fucking go off on him. And it works. He like fucking bluffs. 
And it this works. Is, this is back in the 80s when, like, all that shit, like, the mystical fighting shit actually sounded like it could be real. He says, like, I've been trained in the art of the diving swan kung fu, and I'm also a Hapkido master. <laughs> it's like, fuck, bro. All right, relax. So it works. And he's like, oh, well, shit, I can't do tomorrow night. I have university stuff I got to do. And so he ends up, like, switching the time the meeting time to nine o'clock by doing like a stupid voice like a big swing <laughs> big swing uh if you're trying to improv um picks the most cartoonish voice possible and then has to like build a character around it just goes to the school's theater department puts it together a cartoon pimp outfit but has like an old man wig huge glasses and a like metal gauntlet for some reason <laughs> well it's great because it's like the type of character he is in the movie would choose that exact thing to wear it gets so over the top and if you don't know he's like hey, this is what pimps dress like right just bright <laughs> colors ridiculous suits they go to the meetup mom is there Got her two goons, but it's also a bunch of goons in the background. The bit that they do before Dr. Detroit shows up, and mom's like, I'm going to give him five more minutes. And one of her goons like, and then what? And she's like, well, I guess we'll wait some more. <laughs> I was like, fair. Fair enough. So they show up, and he's fully committed to this character, and it's like talking mad shit. He's like, first pulls like kind of a boss moves like yo you guys hanging on the shadows come out <laughs> like you don't have anything for this cliff this is not a good move for you because <laughs> no one he doesn't have guns the girls don't have guns diavolo doesn't have like a gun he's just like he's just talking mad shit and then it doesn't work <laughs> and mom's like fucking kill him and so he runs off and somehow it fucking works out this seems ridiculous he ends up getting into like a, a pincer lift, I want to call it. I don't know what the name is for Something it. they use to lift cars. They're at a junkyard. It's not a graveyard, even though he said graveyard at yeah. 10 minutes earlier in it's the film. It's an auto graveyard. <laughs> so but he picks he, up mom. It just drops her. It's fucking dro- it's, it's like, Jesus. <laughs> it was really good. She's pretty really like good. old, too. In real life, that would seriously injure her, yeah. too. Yeah, Absolutely. But she just has like a cast. Yeah, she got like she got some bruising and she's got a sling on when we see her later. Comedy cartoon legend. Yeah. Yeah. After they leave there, there's a bunch of stuff in like Clifford's personal life that's going on. And his parents, he lives at home with his parents, but it's not like a big deal. I don't think there's like much conflict there. Yeah, they don't they never make a big deal of him living like in his parents' house. But other than like to have more scenes with his parents without him having to go somewhere probably is what it comes down but like also it fits in with him being like a huge dweeb but like yeah he's working as a professor but like he also doesn't he's living within his like he's just doing his thing and what his thing is is very boring and dull yeah yeah but he's supposed to pick up the dude is supposed to be giving them the check uh but because of this whole junkyard thing they're late he gets the guy ends up getting scammed which doesn't come out to anything like it's such a weird small thing, but some guy like he's like, "Hey, you I'm looking a ta- for a taxi. Uh, are you a taxi? No, dumbass. I'm a human, but, but I, I drive, drive a taxi." taxi. <laughs> it's like that's a fun, smartassy thing to say. And then they rob him, and but like off screen, he's just like goes, and then it cuts to the next morning, and Cliff's like, "Dad, I don't want to tell you. We went. And he, I I went, and he wasn't there. 
and then the police show up with him and he's like in his skivvies but he's like still got his like suitcase so he's still got the check and dad the dad's like tripping over himself trying to like find out what you know what's up with the money and i did like the line that the donor dude had was like it's more than nothing and it's less than a national debt (laughs) that's that's a good broad range that's a good uh smarmy dude line yeah but because of all that shit um cliff didn't have time to also set up the catering for the welcoming party so he's like fucked uh like or his dad's gonna be real mad at him he's not actually fucked his dad's gonna be angry yeah and so the girls are like we'll fucking solve this for you like it's not a big deal get some sleep we'll handle it and karen fran dresser's character i looked it up it's like yeah or monica calls like hey karen like you've done catering and shit like make something happen and she they just improv <laughs> some shit um in cliff's kitchen like during the party and that's when monica talks to the donor dude and that's the only time that him getting mugged comes up again is she's like it's like you know it's been a, been a rough one but it's turning around i guess like he's like uh, whatever and monica's like tell me about it <laughs> <laughs> and so the fucking dinner works out and like yeah we have to we've been telling everybody about dr detroit you've got to get some street time like people have got to see you around and so they like sneak him out of the party and he's just like out in the streets talking to people and dapping up strangers they're like yeah well now you have to go to the players bowl that just happens to also be tomorrow <laughs> which side note why is there any kind of like celebration specifically for criminals but hosted i mean the players ball is a real space. thing yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it is, but it's it's less like a celebration of crime than it is like a fashion show kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's like a status thing and a lot of them are drug dealers and and pimps, but that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's more about like status. Like look how much money I have and look at what I spent that money on. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I had no idea it was an educational comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> James Brown probably has performed at the Players Ball more than yeah. once. So they say, they're like, you have to be at the players ball tomorrow. Like the, the, the school dinner, like the alumni thing is tomorrow. I can't, I can't be at two places at once. And, but like they, they plant earlier in the scenes, like, yeah, the players ball is just, you know, we're like, it's kind of underground, but someone says where it is. And then we go there. Like That's just how it works. So they, they convince, they're like, don't worry about it, Cliff. We got it. You've been helping us out. We'll help you out. Diavolo calls somebody and is like yo dr detroit says he wants it here he won't be there otherwise <laughs> and so like, they get the players ball switched to the same hotel they're having the alumni dinner at which also makes for a great scene when you know all these professors and shit getting out in tuxedos and there's also a bunch of pimps like arriving at the same hotel even like the great bit of alumni dinner <laughs> sign facing at one banquet hall and then players ball facing at the other one <laughs> Is very funny. Doctor. Ooh, ooh. Doctor Detroit. Ridiculous. <laughs> this is so movie, funny. This movie is so fucking zany. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun movie. So he has to give the speech to introduce he's supposed to give the speech to introduce the guy. So I can give him the honorary degree and he'll give them the check at the same time. But because the player's ball is like they're ready to see Doctor Detroit. He like introduces the guy early so that he can go and change into his Dr. Detroit get up and go over to the player's ball. 
And he does, and his dad's all flustered, but whatever. There's zero consequences for his personal life this entire time. It's just purely based on the comedy of Cliff in this situation, and it fucking works. So he goes over, and Diavolo's like runs in. It's like he runs up on stage, like, all right, he's here, like we're ready to go. JB plays something up, and it turns around. You think I turns around? It's fucking James Brown, <laughs> like actual James Brown, and he's already sweating. Already hardest working, hardest working man in show business. And he just plays, um, fuck, what song was it? I don't know. It's not Get Up. No, it's Get Up Off That. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like, so they're just, there's a coordinated dance number. I think that was the speech he was supposed to give. They just dance instead. Yeah. And it's so weird because it starts off as just like him and the girls dancing and then other people get involved and like they're just also all doing the same dance moves and then it cuts it keeps cutting back to like the band and it cuts and now everyone is doing the exact same weird dance moves that cliff made up as dr detroit and it's so funny that it's not even jarring it's just purely like weird madcap zany shit and then it's over. He's like, I got to go. I have a prior engagement. And he like runs and like changes back so he can get back to the speech. And mom has shown up at this point because ostensibly she's connected to prostitution. And so therefore is also invited to the player's ball. Yeah. When she walks in later, she says, uh, this party wouldn't, you can't have this party and not have me. Here. Yeah. But she like, when she gets there, she goes into like the kitchen for some reason. Yeah. Which is where Cliff has been going, had gone to change from his normal tuxedo to his Dr. Dynamite get up and then back into his tuxedo. So he's running through, putting his tuxedo back on. It says, hi, mom. And it fucking <laughs> keeps going. <laughs> and the dinner's fine. Everything's cool. And then he has to fight mom. Or the, the two goons come up and like are basically chase him yeah. from that room after he introduces Reinhorn or whatever the fuck the guy's Ooh, name is. And they chase him out of the room. He goes back into the player's ball and then back into the kitchen. And then he's cornered by mom. That's when he gets the kebab sword. Yeah, must look and that's away. when the sword fight starts. Uh, but he's like, he's mostly back into the Dr. Dynamite get up. Like he's got the wig on and shit. Yeah. When they're fighting. And right, then they fight into the alumni dinner and the wig gets knocked off and everyone's like, <gasps> gasp. Oh, it's Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And then he keeps fighting and he, Beats mom. Yeah. And she's like, all right, kill me. <laughs> and he's like, the doctor is not, he's ruthless, but he's also magnanimous. Mom, you get to stay alive, but I don't want your shadow in Cook County ever again. It's like you're banished. And banished his mom. He gives like this weird fucking speech. Yeah, where he's like switching back and forth between the doctor Detroit voice, which I'm not going to try to imitate, but it's. You have to hear it. It's a strong to choice. To understand it. Yeah, it's fucking weird. And then they do the 80s movie thing of, like, what happened afterwards. And it's like, Monica married the rich dude and moved to Southern California, moved to Palm Springs and, and became, became active in Republican politics. It's like, what? 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 Because he's a rich white dude in the 80s. That's true. It's damn or true. in literally any time in American history. <laughs> you get rich and white and then you're just a Republican now. <laughs> They just send you a letter. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for <laughs> Welcome joining. Welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, then we see smooth Walker again, living on a tropical Island. Yeah. now. They call him Mr. Pago Pago. <laughs> he lives with four Samoans. Um, it's like Jasmine and 
Diavolo. That's when I saw Diavolo. I was like, what the fuck? That's not a, that's not a name. I was like, Jasmine Diavolo saved their money and buy a professional football team. Like, okay. Well, the NFL owners would never allow that. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, how much money could they, like how much money are they actually making? Because Diavolo is just a fucking driver, so he's not making any money. But like, also it's like, you, let's, it's, it's 81 too. It's not like they were, it was easy to buy a franchise at 81. Exactly. I mean, like, what? I don't think the CFL is around at the time. Anyway, those franchise costs are high, and though they don't give like a time limit, I assume, or a time span when this happens, I assume it happens in the same amount of time as everybody else's yeah. stuff. But it, it yeah, begs the question: Why didn't Smooth Walker just pay her back instead of running away? Yeah, like if, if they were making so much fucking money, if Jasmine, I'm going to say Jasmine by herself, because Diablo again is a driver, is not making any money. If Jasmine by herself is like able to just save enough money to buy an NFL team, then yeah, fucking smooth should have just paid mom back. There's literally no conflict here if that's the kind of money we're talking about. Yeah. And then Karen and uh, Cliff get Karen married. Karen and Cliff get married and Thelma becomes James, James Brown's manager. manager, which is weird, but whatever. And that's the movie. And that's- then the movie's just fucking over. And you're just like left with it. And it's like, that's. It's weird. This is 90 minutes of like weird zany shit. Yeah. Dude. And it was fun the whole time, even if it doesn't make any sense. It does not make much sense at all. Like the way that uh, the professor Clifford reacts to things is like, oh, he's just down. Yeah, like, he's, he's on board. The You just have to write the characters like, yeah, I'm down. Whenever somebody asks them, hey, you want to do some coke? Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> like, okay, you have to force me to smoke weed because, again, it doesn't do anything to me. But, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> like, he never says no to anything. Not a single time does he say no to anything that, they, that anybody, that anybody in the film asks him. And it works out. Yeah, it works out really well for him. He, like, almost gets shot once. And then the rest of the time, everything's, like, cool. Yeah. This is definitely a see it. But like fucking track it down, I guess. Cause <laughs> it is not available for streaming. Well, if you have stars. Yeah, if you have stars, you can stream it. It's difficult to come across otherwise. Yeah. I was surprised, but like that is kind of the case with like really obscure films. Like this one one company just happens to have the rights to it and it's like, well, we're no one's gonna see this movie. Just throw it behind the paywall just in case. <laughs> Somebody who's really fond of Dr. Detroit, <laughs> the one or three people. Yeah, we're all in the room right now, so. <laughs> uh, you weren't a fan? Oh, no, I liked it. Oh, okay. All I right, enjoyed well. it the entire way through, once. once. Probably wouldn't see it a second time. <laughs> but it's, it's not one of those movies where you need to see it multiple times. Yeah, this is like a comedy classic. <laughs> but I would put it on at a movie, like at a party, like just to have on. But I'm like, I'm like... I'm not going to text people about seeing Dr. Dynamite, but if you listen to the show, you should Dr. definitely Detroit. see it. Dr. Detroit. Dr. Detroit. Yes. This is like when I say Michael Douglas. <laughs> it's... Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take itself seriously like a lot of big blockbuster movies that come out nowadays do. Like, this is a much better movie than, say, something like Jurassic World is. So, definitely find it on the internet. Yeah. However you can. Yeah, dude. Make it work. It was a fun flick. I'm not going to remove it from my no concessions picks <laughs> because of what it stands for as a movie. It's the symbolism is more important than the work of Harkening back to a specific time in cinema. Yeah. What if all movies were like this? <laughs> I would never leave the theater. Mo- what happened to 90-minute movies? 
87 minutes. You'd think they'd be way cheaper to make, so they'd make more of those. Yeah, right? Yeah, that makes the most sense. If you chop an hour off of a movie, how much money are you saving? It's like a quarter or a third of the cost. Dude. And I mean, yeah, this movie only made $2 million over its budget, but like, they, I was surprised that it even cost as much as it did because they don't go anywhere. I think most of that cost has to be like rewrites, one. Yeah. Two, Dan Aykroyd. Three, James Brown. A James Brown concert, effectively. Yeah, they probably slid that dude like $75,000 just to like be in the movie. Yeah. Had to be a lot because he's in just those scenes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's in... And it was 81, so he was like, this is 20 years in his career. He's on it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think about what sort of like analogs to that movie that get wide releases nowadays. The closest thing I can think of is like the Blumhouse movie um, set of films where they're mostly just like horror movies, but they are all very low budget, very like tightly paced and they make a bunch of them. Most of them suck, but occasionally they make a paranormal activity, which blows up. Mm, which yeah. I think they just released another one, didn't they? Fantasy, uh, Fantasy Island. Island came out this weekend as well. This looks like pretty based bad. on the old property. It's yeah, but that's a horror movie. Oh, that's lame. Uh, Michael Pena is the main dude. He even wears the white suit and everything. But I, as far as I can tell from the trailer, there's no tattoo. Wow. He's going to be living in a basement. It's like a little gremlin biting <laughs> yeah, people's like, ankles. It's a real... I mean, it's the show, but like skewed more towards horror. Whereas, like, it's still like monkey's paw shit. But from the from the trailer, one of them's like, "My daughter died, and I wish I could have her back." And I'm like, that's oh, that's a heavy one, and it doesn't look like it uh, goes super well. I can see how they could twist that one real well and uh, really easily. <sighs> Jesus. All right. Anyway, when we get back, our titular segment. back with our titular segment no concessions where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies let's start with you charles i don't know if i've done this one already because i forgot to check off some of them but napoleon dynamite fucking sucks <laughs> napoleon dynamite's a bad movie and i'm i hated it when it came out and i hate it now can i tag team you on that one? yeah napoleon dynamite's a bad comedy it's like it Tried to just be funny. Try to be funny by just being really weird and like a like the most boring possible way. Well, let me let me ask you if like the context of you seeing it was the same as me because I think like I was in middle school or something mm. when it came out and everybody was talking about this yep. movie and that was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. So I go into it with the context of like this expectation that my mind is going to explode with just how much humor they've stuffed into this movie. And it had none of it. Like, the jokes aren't jokes. It's like if you took... I don't know if you've ever seen any of those compilations of Big Bang Theory, but without the laugh track. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what fucking Napoleon Dynamite feels like. It feels like a bunch of non-jokes and kind of awkward situations. And it just they just leave space 
for you to like find it funny and like the way they try to get attract a lot of the humor is just by like letting scenes go on too long you know that period in comedy like in the early 2000s where it was like that was just how you create it was like maybe the joke would be better if we let it sit for too long instead of like cutting away or having more jokes and it's like it's a fucking hour and a half of that and it, it was bad i saw it like i saw it when it like i said when it came out i probably like maybe a month after it had come out because again like charles said everybody was fucking talking about it like it was the best comedy that had ever come out give me some of your thoughts get your own thoughts. and that voice like the voice is exhausting and again the jokes aren't jokes they're not jokes (laughs) it's just weird things to say and then the camera like the shots last too long and so it's boring as shit and then way too late like maybe what what was what four or five years later there was the napoleon dynamite show on comedy central which is weird it was like animated like why the fuck are we doing that movie was it didn't even like do super great in theaters because most comedies generally don't but it like did fine in theaters and then Four or five years later, there was an animated series on Comedy Central, and it was also fucking terrible. But at least people like registered that it was terrible and it got canceled after one season. But I, there are still people who regard Napoleon Dynamite like as a good comedy, and I'm always just like, fucking watch it again. Watch it again with your adult brain, who didn't have several weeks of hype leading you into thinking this is a good movie and feeling like you had to match because you were 13 when you came out and you needed to be liked by everybody. It's fucking awful. And I'm glad movies like that don't do well anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So what I've got this week is uh, in the same vein of comedy as zany madcap nonsense, like from Dr. Detroit is airplane Two as a positive no concessions yeah because everybody knows airplane but airplane 2 is arguably funnier yes definitely and not just because it takes place in space because space makes everything better (laughs) regardless of all the sort of callback jokes they have to airplane i feel as though the humor and the timing of the second one is just like much more refined than it was in the first, like for every one joke they had in airplane, there were one or two that sort of fell flat. Mm-hmm. So I watch and I think I can see what the punchline is, but it doesn't really land for me. But then airplane two comes along and it's nonstop like laughs the entire time. Like you've got the spaceship, which I don't know. Airplane two, it's an airplane in space. I don't <laughs> put, put the pieces together guys. You got, you get it. They're flying through space and this is back during a time smoking is allowed on flight. So this guy is smoking in a seat and the stewardess goes by and says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but you'll have to put that out. And so he just slides the window <laughs> down in space, which itself would have been funny. But then they go through the trouble of getting like all these papers and everything <laughs> to start blowing out of the window because obviously it's a vacuum. In but it's space. also the exact same joke you could do on a regular airplane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just like the the like comparison of serious thing being said and like no one reacting, like everyone takes it very stoically. And then some innocuous little comment makes everyone go completely bananas. So they're the plane, which has lifted off from the uh, spaceport. I'm going to call it a spaceport, even though it's very clearly filmed at an airport. (laughs) Oh, we can't send this spaceship off to the moon because there's all these technical problems with it. So they run into technical difficulties during the flight and one of the stewardesses gets on the intercom and says, 
Oh, well, sorry for the delay, everyone, but uh, unfortunately, we found that we are several million miles off course. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, that's understandable. And the turbulence you're feeling is a massive asteroid slamming into the side of the spaceship. Like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I was wondering what that was. Cool. Oh, and uh, there's one more thing. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of coffee. And everyone jumps out of their seats and they're losing their minds. Oh, my God, we're never going to make it to the moon. So just... 90 minutes or two hours straight of that. I could watch this just nonstop over and over and over. Just keeping it on like a screen mounted to the wall. Like I would keep like a, a poster or something, but instead it's just airplane two on repeat. And you would think maybe it wouldn't have the same energy because Leslie Nielsen's not in it, but like it fucking does. Like it's still like basically everybody else is back for the sequel except for Leslie Nielsen. And it, like the jokes fucking hit. Like I feel like they dialed it in, which is interesting because it's different writers. It's not the really? same writers as the first airplane. But like I guess they understood what made the first one funny, and we're like, well, let's dial those in, get those jokes a little bit more well contained, and it fucking works. Like it's it's very funny. You can watch it for free on Crackle. I don't know how Crackle makes money, <laughs> but I just looked it up to see if it was like streamable, and it is, but only on Crackle. The first airplane is on Hulu. Very nice. I've never seen either of the movies. Well, now you can watch both of them through a service that you probably already have. I use Crackle, but I do have Hulu. Yeah. Which I'm very upset about. I have it with the Spotify Spotify plan, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. I'm paying $2 a month for it. Dope. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, uh, my no concessions pick for this episode is The Adventures of Tintin. I came out. I want to say like three, five years ago, six years ago, yeah, maybe yeah. a CG one. Yeah, it's. I watched it last night, and it's it's a lot better than uh, it has any right to be. It's very. It's like a fun adventure movie. The CG doesn't necessarily hold up that well. Everybody's heads are like a little bit too big, and I'm pretty sure that was done on purpose. I think they're trying to emulate the style of the comics, but like it both. I haven't seen it. I'm just remembering the trailer. I think they like try to dial it into make it a little more realistic looking, but also keep like the feel of the comic. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a fun, it's a fun adventure and it's, it's directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, which I don't know if it's, if it's a positive or negative at this point, <laughs> but it's, I don't know why they can't, they being Hollywood directors, including Steven Spielberg himself. I don't know why people have such a hard time replicating like that sense of adventure in, live action movies like i don't think we've gotten a good adventure movie in a very long time but in this movie you're talking about we saw dora like two months ago (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) anyway uh i think that this movie like it does a lot insofar as like uh, the visuals and like how the story is set up and like the places they go and things like that it's pretty dark as well it's like it's kind of like as all movies must be nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I mean the comic true. gets that way a little bit. I've read a handful of the strips, or like I've read a collection of the Adventures of Tintin. Like they handle some shit. Yeah, like smugglers, mm. people getting shot. Yeah, a man is murdered on his doorstep and <laughs> writes the name of the ship in blood, in blood on the newspaper. It was real gnarly. I was like, ah, this isn't for kids. <laughs> but there's also no blood on him in person like there's no blood stain yeah you don't where see his body it. was yeah. he's like well he got shot and it'd be cool if he wrote it in blood <laughs> so yeah. rather than just taking a pen out of his pocket and circling yeah. the letters 
Like, all right, cool. But anyway, check out The Adventures of Tintin. It's a fun little movie. But also, the CG is a little bit wonky. Yeah, I mean, it's been like a decade or so. so that makes sense. Yeah. There is a uh, song that reminded me of a song that's called Les Adventures de Tintin. It is by Japanese city pop artist Taiko Onuki. And it was written in the, it was like, it came out in the 80s. I don't know if either of you have like heard a lot of Japanese city pop. It's fucking dope. Yeah, city pop bangs. And, uh, but the song, I can't even remember how I came across it. And I was like, is this about like that tent? This is for like that Tintin movie that came out a decade ago. And it's not. It's about the fucking comic. It like inspired by the comic strip. It was released in like 78 or something. I was like, this is wild. It's a great song. Has the same title as the film. Check it out. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that's our episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Plug your shit. Oh, yeah. I've got a Twitter now. Uh, you can find me at No Hypothesis. Perfect. Uh, my shit's the same. The Charles01 on Twitter, uh, the Charles Time on Instagram, or just Charles Time. Whichever one works. If you go to it and you see me, then that's the right. <laughs> There's a black guy holding the baby. It's me. <laughs> why, why don't you change the name on one of your accounts so you have the same name on both? Um, can I change my Twitter account? Because I would change it to Charles Time. Yeah. I'll okay. change like the header name. Well, yeah, my yeah, header you name. You can I... change your at as well. Okay. I'm going to change my at because I'm at, I'm the Charles time on Instagram. I'll change it on Twitter too. All right. Perfect. By anyway. the time this episode comes out, I'll have changed it. Excellent. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you whenever. Bye. See ya.